This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, do you struggle to pick up the phone to make a phone call? Well, author S. Bear Bergman from Toronto joined us with five tips on how you can make phone calls so much easier and actually pleasant. So I like to call it the human interaction mode. It has never been easier. Steve Stebbing just left the movie theater and finally reviews the highly anticipated Dune movie, plus the AV Club Spooky Edition. And on in case you missed it, Alec Baldwin shot and killed a cinematographer on a movie set by accident with a prop gun. That's in the news this week. It's also on in case you missed it. Ryan Brunt does break down what we need to know about that story and Vikings in Canada and a new Uncharted movie. All of this and more on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. He just got out of the movie theater. He still has popcorn in his shirt. Um, let's welcome <laughs> Steve Stebbing here. SteveStebbing.ca is his website. What the hell should we watch this weekend? Steven, you were just in the movie theater. I was just at the movie theater. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And for so another, what, for another almost three hour experience. Was it another long one? Did Ryan give you the tickets or what? No, <laughs> no. I mean, it wasn't three. It was two and a half, two, two hours, 35 minutes. All right. I thought, like, if Ryan was ever going to gift you tickets to something, it would be exactly that. So let's get started with the movie that you watched, shall we? And hear yes. the trailer for Dune. A boy. <laughs> Duncan, can I trust you with something? Yes, always. You know that. I've been having dreams about a girl on Arrakis. I don't know what it means. Dreams make good stories. But everything important happens when we're awake. Hey, you want some muscle? I do. No. Trucker Dan says, please let me know how Dune compares to the original 1984 release with Patrick Stewart. Um, I think this one's better. Um, I, I love David Lynch, uh, and I do have a soft spot in my heart for that original film. Um, but it just it, he didn't get to fully make the movie that he wanted to. The studio cut the crap out of it, and it just didn't work out. But Vill, uh, Denny Villeneuve, uh, French Canadian director Denny Villeneuve, is I mean this man is ambitious because this is his follow up to Blade Runner twenty forty seven, which already was an ambitious movie. So for him to do Frank Herbert's Dune, uh, a, a sci fi novel that's been around since nineteen sixty five, I believe. Um, it's crazy. And he takes his art film mind and applies it directly to the story in a, the most faithful adaptation uh, and does it so incredibly well. It's so beautiful. Like I basically had to collect my jaw after off of the floor after the movie was done because it's just constantly just gorgeous shot after shot. An incredible cast put together to make up this film. Uh, but be forewarned, it is just part one of a two part story. So it does feel like it ends a little bit abruptly, but it is setting up uh, something epic to uh, come in the second film. Um, but I mean, it is a bit divisive. I, I feel like there are going to people be people that really don't get the appeal of this movie. But I feel like if you know the Herbert story and and have kind of a deeper connection to it, then you will walk away from this one um, with a big grin on your face, I think. You guys were talking about the book off the air. Mm -hmm. um, how does it compare? Uh, I mean, the book is, it's a hard sell for a lot of people because it is very heady. Um, they kind of just kind of 
parachute you into this world that is like thousands of years ahead of where we are um and just kind of like the hierarchy and establishment of the emperor of the harkonnens of the atreides house just like all of that stuff is so there's all so much deeper lore to it that it's almost like you it's like a lore, uh, like a tolkien book like you needed appendices to it as well to kind of figure out exactly what where everything lies in it ryan seems to have a lot of free time so that's the ability to watch these things. What else should we watch this weekend? You Steve bet. Stebbing. Steve Stebbing.ca. Don't forget our Shift AV Club is coming up here shortly. Next, we have Ron's Gone Wrong. Hi, Barney. I'm your best friend out of my box. What are you doing? Barney, your Bebot is like super weird. I am Barney's Bebot. Will you come to my secret shed and like him? No, no, no. Okay, Ron, a bunch of your code is missing. You're supposed to know everything about me. <laughs> All right, tell us a little bit about that's crazy. That's creepy. Hey, hey come check uh, out my Beepot. What's Ron's gone wrong? Yeah, this is uh, the next Disney animated film. It's a computer animated. And uh, basically, it follows the main character of Barney, uh, a socially awkward uh, middle schooler uh, who just wants what everybody else wants, which is these new interactive uh, toys that uh, basically become your uh, your little digital best friend. And uh, he gets his little robot guy, but unfortunately, he's defective and he's got a lot of problems going for him. Uh, and it's voiced by uh, Zach Galifianakis, who is always a delight to hear and, and see in any kind of form. Uh, but what I really like is Barney's voice by Jack Dylan Grazer, uh, who people may remember from the It movies. Uh, and he was also in the Pixar movie uh, Luca this year, earlier this year. I just I dig him as an actor um, and and I'm just glad that he's getting a lot more work. And I mean, these Disney animated films usually knock it out of the park. They haven't made a bad one yet. So uh, I think Ron, Ron's Gone Wrong is a good pick for uh, the families this weekend. All right, there you go. Uh, one of the movies that Steve Stebbing's been waiting for, waiting for the pandemic and all the things to shake out is The French Dispatch. We take as the subject of tonight's lecture, Mr. Moses Rosenthal. Certainly the loudest artistic voice of his rowdy generation. Simone Naked Cell Block J Hobby Room. I want to buy it. It's not for sale. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes. In short, the picture was a sensation. Sounds great. What is it? Yeah, this is Wes Anderson's new movie, his first live action movie since uh, The Grand Budapest Hotel, which he won an Academy Award for. Uh, but I mean, this is the most Wes Anderson than Wes Anderson is every Wes Anderson because it is so <laughs> deeply idiosyncratic to his uh to his approach to film and everything that you look at it and you're like yeah no that's a wes anderson movie uh but basically it is uh kind of a love letter to to journalists and it's set in an outpost of an american newspaper in a fictional 20th century french city uh and and basically the um the kind of the, the battles for 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 getting a story in and everything and uh, besides the regular staples that are in uh, Wes Anderson's films like uh, William Defoe, uh, William Defoe, Tilda Swinton, Owen Wilson, Bill Murray, uh, Adrian Brody, 
We got some newcomers to this one because Timothy Chalamet is in this film as well. Uh, Lea Sado is in this one. Christoph Waltz, Jeffrey Wright, Elizabeth Moss. Uh, I mean, anytime someone wants to come and play in the Anderson sandbox, it always turns out beautifully. So, uh, I, you know, it's sad that, that this was supposed to come out last year and we should have already seen it by now. I should already have my Blu-ray in my hot little hand, but I don't. But now we got it. I always know when Steve Stebbing is really excited about a movie when he turns the director into a verb. <laughs> Next on the list is Night Teeth. Hey, driver. Yes, ma'am. Let's play a game. What would you do if you knew tonight was your last night on Earth? Wow, I'm a pretty chill guy. I just live with my brother. I go to school. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, driver. Last night on Earth, drugs, women, men, old enemies. You're just waiting to pop. I'll definitely kill you. Finally, he bites back. Some vampire stuff for you. And I don't know. You know, Netflix seems to do these little pickups of little indie films. Um, Some of them work and you're like oh wow like how did a big studio not pick up on this and then some of them are night teeth uh that is just dull and predictable and takes a cool premise of kind of like an underground vampire battle between uh that's been raging on in la for 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 hundreds of years and turns into something like i've seen this before but done better um <laughs> and i i mean megan fox is in this one for probably about five ten minutes which is kind of merciful and luckily she didn't drag uh, along a machine gun goofball into this movie nice. uh, to make me feel like vomiting in my mouth um but uh yeah i would skip it if you see that on your uh, netflix bar this weekend it's just not worth it all right since we're talking about netflix before we're done here let's jump ahead to the tv release inside job have you ever wondered who really runs the world? Everything you know is a lie. And the people who are really in control are... Jesus, can we turn on the lights for once? Ah, some of us have hangovers, all right? <sighs> Our office manages every conspiracy in the world. Can you manage to show up on time? Reagan Ridley! You are so smart, but your people skills... Woof. Tell us about it. It's uh, it sounds like fun, and in the world of conspiracies, seems yeah. on point. Yeah, uh, this one comes from creator Alex Hirsch, who is known for making this phenomenal uh, Disney animated series called Gravity Falls uh, that just kind of snowballed out of control and got like such a huge following. Not just kids, but adults really got into the show as well. Uh, but now he gets to make his fully adult show because he signed a deal with Netflix and he made this show that basically follows a girl that works for the deep state. Uh, you know, you know, basically the men in black and all those other like Illuminati conspiracies. Exactly. All those other conspiracies. And she's uh, given a crew uh, to head up within the deep state. And of course they're the screwballs, like the police Academy of deep state. (laughs) The police Uh, Academy. (laughs) And I I mean, Lizzie Kaplan is the lead voice and I love her in it, but her uh, conspiracy minded father in this is voiced by Christian Slater, who is so funny in this show. 
Um, I, I mean, I've only gotten through the first few episodes and I hope that it keeps the momentum going. It feels a little bit, um, it does feel like a, like a, like a first season. They're just trying to see what sticks. Uh, but so far so good. This is the shift podcast. Well, thank you very much for listening to The Shift. It's time for The Shift TV Club, where we all get together, watch a movie, and talk about it. Here's Ryan O'Dell. Yes, uh, The Tiny Wheel, our beloved Tiny Wheel, selected Edge of Tomorrow, the 2014 action sci-fi movie starring Tom Cruise. Here's a little taste of the trailer for the movie for you. You do know what's happening to me. What happened to you happened to me. You hijacked their power. How do I control it? You have to die. Every day. Keep coming here and I'll train you. Again. Again. Your leg's broken. No, I'm good. Then we better start over. Oh, come on. All right, so there's the movie. The premise is he dies lots. <laughs> Live, die, repeat. Literally in the other title. Uh, this Ugh. movie is sweet. I... Yeah, steep, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I saw this when it came out. I thought it was going to mm-hmm. suck, but I loved it when, it when I watched it in high school, and it holds up really well. I love the alien design, the idea that these aliens know what are going to happen and that you're using their own power to try to defeat them. I think it works really well. The action's great. Tom is great. Emily Blunt is perfect, as well, always. On uh, a first-name basis now. I know, yeah. Uh, I Yeah, I yeah, Tom. <laughs> Uh, no, I think this is a great movie. A uh, really fun action gem. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Steve. Uh, yeah, this movie is great. Uh, I mean, there rarely is a bad Tom Cruise movie, and there rarely is a movie where Tom Cruise dies. Uh, but he dies over and over again in this. I think it's so great. Uh, I, just the trope of it, uh, of him building up his skill through dying, I think is just so well done in this movie. Doug Lyman just rocks this film as the director. Emily Blunt is really good. I miss Bill Paxton so much. I, oh, it's tragic that he, that, that we lost him, uh, at, at, you know, so many years ago now, but it's just, it's sad. Um, and I really love the scene where he's trying to roll under the truck and he just gets run over. I just, oh, it's good. one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I, so, I, it's yeah. so great. Yeah. It just the comedy beats in this really work really well. Yeah, I yep. I like the show. Oh. Oh, that's all right. We'll get you to hang on to that one second here, buddy. Um, the um, the show itself I thought was very entertaining. The fact that it it is the way that it played out. It was like Groundhog Day, except they started and stopped it in so many different places. I thought it was pretty great. A couple of texts. Angelo, Edge of Tomorrow was agonizing. I well, wasn't a fan. Yeah, didn't like it. Um, sorry to hear that, Angela. Embellish, please. <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> the movie was kind of okay. It was kind of a ripoff of Groundhog Day, just not as much fun, says Dennis. I, uh, I liked it. I thought it was great. I thought it was super fun how they did it. I mean, it was a little bit predictable in the end, of course, because you had to know that he wasn't going to die. Um, but the reality was the love affair was pretty cool. The, um, the no, 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 don't go do that. Like trying to talk them in, trying to live through it without it ever happening like to to influence the outcome was kind of cool i thought mm-hmm. it was creative absolutely worth yeah, the watch that's worked. for sure all right apparently now, there's a sequel Sheldon. coming really wow oh what what happens next Ooh. week hey those are some spooky sounds i'm hearing 
Oh. It's almost Halloween time, my friends. It is almost so, one of the best times of year for movies. Yeah, we wouldn't right? be watching. We wouldn't normally have the time here, so we're gonna double dip this week on the AV Club, Ryan. We're gonna double. We're gonna double dip, and we have a special edition because the tiny wheel needs to be brought out. But it's not just any tiny wheel. It's the spooky wheel. Yes, there are a bunch of horror movies listed that we will watch just in time for Halloween next week. So here is the list of potential movies. Halloween, 1979. Scream, the original, Friday the 13th. The Babadook. Evil Dead 2. Paranormal Activity. Hush. Alien. Nightmare on Elm Street. Train to Busan, The Blob, The Changeling, The Thing, The Fly, and Fright Night. Who knows what we'll land on. So, my friends, I think it's about time that we bring out the spooky wheel. (laughs) Spooky wheel. Spooky wheel. Spooky. Wheel actually does have spooky movies. It's so terrifying. No one seems to mind. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the spooky wheel is here. We have the best Uh, budget ever. We do. uh, Big budget. Okay, (laughs) let us spin the spooky wheel. This is a good one, fellas. This is a great, this is a good movie. The winner, our movie. Shane, you're going to love it. It's only an hour and 25 minutes long. Sweet. It is Evil Dead. There's something out two. there. It lives out in those woods. In the dark. Something that's come back from the dead. Weird. Never heard of it. This, <laughs> never heard of it. Eh? Yeah. This directed by Sam Raimi. Uh, this is, if you're wondering why it's two, not one, uh, two is essentially a big budget remake of number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first movie was made on such a small budget. It did really well. And they gave him a second chance to basically make the same movie, but better. Uh, it is available using Amazon Prime on showtime i believe you can do a free trial and the movie's available on there for the next 10 days that's how you can watch it for free or feel free to rent it for five bucks there it is steve stemming.ca for steve's website thank you very much steve we'll talk to you next week when we get spooky it sounds good this is the shift podcast In flipping through the internet, sometimes you find some amazing things you can learn about, and sometimes you find things that are, you know, dumb cat videos. But on Vice, which posts great articles, we found an article. Well, I'm going to give full credit to Ryan. Ryan found an article, and he looked at the author of the article, and it was one of our Shifthead family members, S. Bear Bergman, as the author of said article. And it really got me thinking, Bear, you truly got me thinking about... um about how this works, and we don't talk about simple things. I've complained this week about being on hold 
with customer service because you know how in COVID land, you know, mm-hmm. all of the call times are longer than expected, even though that was happening before COVID. Um, but we don't know how to make those phone calls, especially even after waiting on hold for 35 minutes. And to do that, the article is basically how to make a phone call, Esper Bergman on Vice. And it's a fantastic look at one of the simplest things ever. How are you? Uh, I am well. Uh, how are you doing? I'm. Uh, thank you for asking. I'm doing well. I'm finding my way. I've had some real down in the dumpers moments as this <sighs> stepping into fall schedule and COVID thing has, and I'm mm-hmm. excited to uh, say that I'm I'm finding inspiration on how to live through all of this and still find happiness and get out of the house from time to time. <laughs> so, um, I took your article directly to heart. Because A, you and I share the love affair for word nerdism. Mm-hmm. And and B, I found it incredibly helpful. How do we make phone calls? Tell me what inspired this. Did you get stuck on hold like me and got lost your mind in frustration? <laughs> uh, no. Uh I I had a situation with a friend who was at a stuck at a very difficult place where they they just have a huge amount of anxiety about talking to the phone. They don't know what to do with themselves. They don't know what they're supposed to say. They can't hear very well on the phone. And they had to make a particular important phone call. And they couldn't make themselves do it. And at the last minute, they sort of reached out to me and said, you know, hey, you talk for a living. Will you please call? I won't say who. Yeah. Uh, and pretend to be me and and do the thing that I need to do because otherwise there are going to be bad consequences that I don't want, but I just, I can't, I can't do it. And I, and it, in that conversation, I really thought about all of the people I know who have had this problem over the years and who've asked me to make phone calls for them or, uh, wanted to talk about how to, you know, get past their upset, frustration, and anxiety, and make a phone call. So I thought, well, having had this conversation a bunch of times, maybe I know enough about it now that I can share. And so I did the piece for Vice. And a great piece it is too. It is at vice.com in the health section, how to make a phone call. The one of the biggest takeaways, and before I ask you what all of sort of the anxieties around the phone call and solving them are, because these are great tips, I found that this actually translates beyond just phone calls. Mm-hmm. I walked into Walmart with my daughter one day, and I said to Callie, I said, can you ask, you know how they have the host person when you walk into Walmart now, they stand there? And, um, and I said, can you ask where the baskets are? And this was a, I don't know, a couple of years ago. So she was younger, young, just a teenager. And she was like, no, I don't want to talk to the person, dad. And so, I mean, you and I are both parents. We've been through those moments with our kids. So it's, it's very similar. We can actually translate this from how to make a phone call into how to ask for a basket, mm-hmm. right? It can be how to ask where the cookies are, like how to walk into a friend's house and say, excuse me, can I borrow your bathroom? Like all of these different situations as for you and I share as parents translate into how to make a phone call. So from that, I just wanted to open everyone's listening up into this isn't just about a phone call, but let's let phone call be the example very clearly that we all share. So how do we make a phone call? You know, I, 
I offer sort of some ways to get yourself ready to do it in the article. I think uh, we did sort of five steps and all of them aren't going to necessarily be uh, applicable to everybody, you know, but we sort of, so the article starts out and we talk about like what your anxieties might be and why things might be hard or whatever. But honestly, a really big one is judgment. People are afraid that they will be judged over the phone because they're talking too much, because they're not talking enough, that they feel like they're being weird or being mm. awkward. That's a, a big one. And I think that's maybe the one that translates the most to those in-person situations. And I really agree with you. I think kids, uh, I think it's great in parenting when we can help our kids to gain the skill of being able to have a customer service interaction on their own, whether it's asking for help finding something or ordering their own food at a restaurant rather than requiring that the that the parent order for them but I, th I think a lot of us are just sort of constantly concerned that other people are judging us and other mm -hmm. people are thinking oh i wouldn't have done that or you're doing a terrible job or this guy's weird i mean i've fully accepted that i am definitely weird <laughs> so i don't think it bothers me as much as it bothers others well, I'm going to add to that because there was, I had a friend of mine say to me once, you know, fly your freak flag, uh, mm. right? Uh, because there was, I was hung up on something. I don't even remember what it was specifically. And I took gross offense to that. I was like, I'm not a freak, blah, blah, blah. And then as I, you know, did a little bit of learning and work and I had another friend come up to me and say, oh yeah, we all have a freak flag. And, um, and I was like, and then the light bulb went off and I was like, wait a second, it's okay to be weird. And for all of us to have our thing. And then it occurred to me in that moment, luckily from the people I was surrounded by, we're all weird. Oh, and yeah. so if we all just assume the fact that things don't go well, I'll quit a quick, another quick story for you. I walked into the hair salon and at the time they were taking temperature for COVID stuff, you know, before they brought you in the store. And I mean, I, I fly, I go to places where they take your temperature. I like, it's a normal, it's become a normal thing if someone points a laser beam at your forehead to just go, Oh, temperature. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and for some strange reason in that moment, I crouched down, I leaned forward, I tilted my head to the side and I stopped and I went, I'm really sorry for some strange reason. I just made that weird. So we all do it out of the blue for no reason. He, I, there's a listen, you know, that's not even the weirdest story I've heard this week. Right. <laughs> I, I think that we have, as a, as a group of adults, especially during COVID, we've all gotten weirder. I've gotten much weirder, right? <laughs> I, my level of, uh, my level of give a crap about things has declined so much. I am half past <laughs> give a crap about a lot, a lot of stuff. Um, but but the fear of judgment has intensified, I think. And so when you put the two things together, you get kind of a difficult neighborhood. We're all getting weirder, but now we've all been sort of released back into the wild at the same time. 
And, you know, there's heightened scrutiny of other people because of COVID. We want to make sure that they're doing their part to keep us safe. We want to make sure we're doing our part to keep them safe. Nobody's seen anybody in a while. Uh, That's strange. We've forgotten how to, we've forgotten how to people around (laughs) other people a little bit. Um, But I think that phone anxiety has always been a thing for some people like talking with no feedback, like no sense of whether the person on the other end thinks your request is reasonable, thinks you're making sense, thinks that you are, you know, your complaint is valid. It, it stresses people out, at least in person, you can sort of see on their face when they clearly think that, you know, perhaps you are not fully recovered from a recent head injury or whatever, <laughs> right? But like, yeah. on the phone, you have no, you have no feedback. And so you just talk into the void and hope for the best. And for some people, that's too much. Is it a safe reminder to offer, by the way, you're probably phoning a professional who's been trained in weird? I mean, if you're phoning a professional, they probably have been. And you're based on what I have heard from people who work at call centers, you're almost certainly not the weirdest person they've spoken to, <laughs> even, even in the day, right? Yeah. There are, listen. There are people whose needs and requests are almost certainly weirder than yours. Um, But also people have phone anxiety, even about just phoning a friend, even about just phoning their, their, their Nana to say happy birthday. There's something about just talking into the void when a person can't get any feedback at all about what they're saying it makes some people really nervous. And honestly, I don't blame them, especially people who are definitely from the more email and text generation. And so they just haven't had to, they, they haven't had to learn to do either end of it, right? Like they haven't learned to, to give that ongoing verbal feedback, like, hmm, mm-hmm, yep, yeah, oh, Right. You know, so that the person on the other end knows that you don't think that they are several sandwiches shy of a picnic. Mm -hmm. Um, But also they don't they don't have the experience of of organizing their thoughts that way. And it it's it can be hard for some people. Now, you and I are on a Zoom call so I could see your handsome face while we have this conversation. And not everybody can do that. The reality is, though, is that when we when we have these conversations sometimes when you're you know you're calling your f- mobile provider you i don't know if that's appropriate if you want to see the person on the other end uh, it, this is a tactic seeing someone's face is a tactic we use for young people in radio is to say mm-hmm. take a picture of your favorite person or your dog even stick it up there by the microphone and talk to that person tell me about that part because that's really helpful that's i recommend literally the same thing in the article have a face to talk to it literally doesn't matter what, you know, a person you like is great. Uh, but like a cat face that you draw on the back of a napkin will also work. Having somewhere to look 
right? Having somewhere to focus your attention. It just feels easier and better when you, when you feel like you're talking to someone. Uh, sometimes I use, you know, the face of a friend, especially if I'm, I'm calling a friend. Uh, sometimes I use celebrities that I feel good about. Uh, Lizzo, the musician, and mm -hmm. Stanley Tucci, the actor, are my really? two favorites. Well, listen. <laughs> Stanley Tucci? Have, we should we could have a whole conversation about that piece alone. <laughs> this isn't going to go on the radio, so I'm just going to say it to you. I really only believe in two sexual orientations. People who are asexual and people who would absolutely get about it with Stanley Tucci. <laughs> fair enough. I like be, that part. Be honest. Be honest. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, hey, well, I'm not disagreeing. I mean, <laughs> there's something about Stanley Tucci um, that everybody goes about him. About Stanley Tucci. But it's true, though. Yeah. Put that picture in front of you, and you can have, you can have, um, a immediate connection and your conversation changes from language arts class when you're like, that was three sentences. I should start a new paragraph now. And <laughs> right. Cause that's what kicks in is the, mm -hmm. the language arts class, as opposed to the conversation when you're talking to Nana or the cat, that being said, it's easy to get into a relationship. It's hard to get out of a relationship. It's easy to get into a business. It's hard to get out of a business. It's easier to get into a conversation. Hello than it is to get out of a conversation, which is always the weird part. Okay, well, that's over. Bye. Like, um, it, those pieces matter. So what are the three tips that you have uh, for getting in and out of those phone conversations? Uh, so I think that there are people who actually find the initiation phase, starting the call harder than getting off the phone. But I, I like you, uh, often find it harder to get out. So to get into a call, I honestly recommend that people write a script and it's three sentences. And I will do sentences one and three for you free of charge. Anybody listening, right? Number one is hello. Or if you, if it sounds, some people say like, it sounds weird to say hello. When do you say hello? Which is kind of true when you think about it. We don't actually say hello very often. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I say, oh, hi, that's step one, right? You know, write that down. And then mm -hmm. the second is why you are calling. And if it's hard to identify, you can literally text someone why you have to make the phone call and use your brain's comfort with that style of communication. Text a friend. I have to call my Nana and wish her a happy birthday. I have to call Belle because my payment didn't post, whatever, right? And then write that down. And then the third thing is, if it's not a social call, you say, can you help me with that? And if it is a social call, you say, is now a good time to talk, right? Mm. That's all. Oh, hi, my payment on my account didn't post last month. Can you help me with that? Right, because you want to know if you're talking to the right person before you do too much. It's beautiful. Or, oh, hi. I called to wish you a happy birthday. Is now a good time to talk? That's all you need. This is the Shift Podcast. Thank you for listening to The Shift. I'm Shane Hewitt with S. Bear Bergman. We're talking about how we can learn 
to be comfortable when we make phone calls. Here's what one of the things that I do, and I want your feedback. Tell me if you think it's good. If someone phones in and they say, you know, hey, thanks for calling mobile provider. This is Steve. I always repeat their name back and I introduce myself. That's even so even if I'm not even thinking, I'm distracted, whatever. Keep in mind, I do this for a living for 25 years. So I still go through these steps. And so it'd be like, hey, this is Steve. And I'd be like, hi, Steve. This is Shane Hewitt phoning. And I'll do that. And if I don't understand their name, because they've said it too quickly or whatever, I will say, hi there, my name's Shane Hewitt. I didn't catch your name. What's your name? Mm-hmm. And then they will answer. And I find that that immediately disarms the person on the, uh, my perception of disarming the person on the other end. I'm not saying it's happening to them. And if they're having a bad day, I had a lady um, just the other day in my phone calls. She was just kind of grouchy. I think she was at the end of the day, it had been a long day. Uh, they returned my phone call. And... Um, she said to me, she said, uh, hi there, this is uh, Susie from uh, whatever, mobile provider. Susie from mobile provider. And I said, hi, Susie from mobile provider. That's a weird last name. <laughs> and she says, oh, we don't give out. She wasn't even listening. Oh, we don't give out our last names in our phone calls. I said, no, nah, it's just a dad joke. I was, you sound like you're having a tough day, I said. And, uh, and then she's like, what? I said, no, you said, hey, it's Susie from Mobile Provider. And I said, Mobile Provider, that's a weird last name. And she's like, oh, I get it now. Now, you don't have to go that into detail like I do. I mean, I love conversations. I play with conversations. But simply introducing yourself, I find works. What do you think of that? I absolutely agree. Uh, and I, I do the same thing, honestly, and I try really hard to remember the person's name whenever I have that kind of call until the end. So I can say, you know, thanks, Susie. I really appreciate it, uh, which is, um, you know, I just I like to sort of put a button on it. But my I, my other thing is that in the middle, sometimes, you know, sometimes you have these calls, things aren't really going how you want. Um and I, I sometimes will ask, if you were having this problem, what, what would be your next step? Because I'm not, I'm not making a lot of progress, right? And a thing I like about phone calls is that it gives you a chance to establish some rapport. Like you, well, you, you tried with your joke. It eventually worked out. I, I appreciate yeah, it. I tried. Um, <laughs> you tried. Listen, we've all been there. Um, <laughs> But also sometimes you can sometimes you can solve problems and, and get things squared away faster and more easily uh, when you've taken a minute to to engage with someone beyond acting like, you know, they're they are just a public service. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, humanizing then, it, I find it always works so well. I mean, at the very end. And I just have I, I'll get your thought in a sec. I always think of this. Chances are if you're calling a big company, they're taking notes anyway. And if you end with, thanks, Susie, I appreciate your help, just because you wrote down the name on, you know, you have your three your three points to get into the conversation, as Bear described. And then the very, you just, as soon as they say, hey, this is Susie, you write down Susie. And at the very end, you just say, thank you, Susie. Because frankly, if you're looking to save money or get a deal or get good customer service, if they take that note or you leave them feeling good, you might save money. I mean, aside from the humanity, let's be honest. Oh, 100%. The, you know, being courteous and kind costs you nothing and the improvements in your life are exceptional. Uh, I really, even just saying hello, I'm shocked sometimes when I go 
you know, if I'm, if I go to get a coffee or a sandwich that people walk up to the counter and just say, you know, uh, large coffee, extra sugar. Like, what about, hi, how are you? Did you, yeah. did you skip that part? Or, you know, the way the waiter waitress comes to the table and they say, you know, let me get a turkey on rye. I'm not, I'm not that into it. And also yeah. that's not a nice, that's not going to be a nice turkey sandwich. Yeah, I had a, my buddy Chad and I talk about this. We used to call it human interactive mode. And it was a game that we would play, you know, when you hold a door open for someone and they come through the door and then, you know, they walk through and they're like, sometimes they say thank you. Sometimes they don't. They just walk away, but have fun with it and literally make eye contact and smile at them. Like I, we, so we did it as a project. We were, okay, this is what we're going to do for a bunch of time. And then I was at, I was getting some physio actually on my shoulder and I was in the physio and there was this little old lady in the corner. She's on one of those bikes, like, like with arms and everything else. And she was doing her slow pedal. And, uh, and I thought, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the human interactive mode project right now. And I simply looked at her and engaged. And it was like, man, she was a ninja. She was like, she looked at me and I could feel the warmth of her heart all of a sudden. And she had me hooked. And she said, good afternoon, young man. How's your work going? And I was like, whoa, she just flipped the tables on me in human interactive mode. And mm. so the impact of somebody who plugs in changes everything i stopped what i was doing I, well i had the conversation i stopped what i was doing i texted chad and told chad this like this lady in the corner just totally flipped the script on me man she owned me like she's like a human interactive mode ninja and it's a cool experience when when people can plug in and connect like that we we leave them better off mm. but i think you also made a really good choice in you know engaging that with someone who you know, you were in a supervised space. It was well lighted. There was very little chance that she right. would imagine that you were trying to hit Not on her or, <laughs> yeah. or be weird in any way. Right. Like, I think that there are a lot of upsides to, you know, human interactive mode, as you put it. And I am also consistently aware that I have to choose the people that I engage with in that way carefully or there's a high probability that i might you know freak someone out like i'm a large man these days anyway and so there's like a i have to be thoughtful about making sure that i don't do what i think is like let's have human engagement and cause you know a woman who is walking alone or someone who may feel vulnerable in the space or it's not well lit or they're small or they're you know gender non-conforming or whatever to think that maybe i'm a danger to them well you bring up a very good point conversation is an invitation not an expectation and that's really important and mm -hmm. um so if somebody declines they just declined but sometimes it doesn't always go well to your article here with vice um sometimes things fall apart and sometimes, you know, the conversation breaks down, it gets weird, and we panic. So how do we deal with the moment that it all goes wrong when we're on the phone? I mean, there's always different kinds of troubleshooting to do. And I think that the better you can prepare for the ones that you know are, are hard for you, the better, right? Like, if you're a person who has trouble hearing on the phone, be prepared with things to say. Can you turn up your volume? Can you go somewhere quieter? I can't hear you very well. 
if uh, if you're a person who takes a minute to make a decision, you know, I've been on those calls where they say, well, for $109, you can have this. And for $119, you can have that. And for $129, you can have this other thing. Which would you like? And I, I don't know in the moment necessarily. So if you're a person who gets overwhelmed by a lot of choices, then be prepared to say, uh, I'm going to take a minute and think about it, or let me call you back when I've decided. Um, You know, whatever is the thing for you that you regularly have difficulty about on the phone, write some stock phrases if you're worried about what you'll say in the moment before you're already feeling upset about it or aggravated by it or nervous about it. And then in the moment, you don't have to think of what to say. You just read it off the page and it's so much easier. Cracking the code for getting out of the conversation. This is my favorite part of the whole article that you wrote for vice.com is uh, basically what's happening. The experience is I'm done talking now. This conversation is over. Um, doesn't serve you very well to specifically say that. How do we say goodbye? Yeah, people really don't. Even the most direct people do not say, I'm done talking now, thanks. Um, So there's, you know, regular things that people say. Uh, Anything in the, like, anything that refers to the conversation in the past tense. uh, If somebody says, you know, I really enjoyed our chat. Or if you say, if you say that, that's a clear signal. Oh, uh, we're done now. Um, you can say, I won't keep you or let me let you go. Uh, those are good ways to signal I'm done now. Um, sometimes people sort of do, all right, which is clearly like, all right, I'm ready to move on <laughs> to the next ah, that's thing, so true. which is not you my love thank you but i am done now yeah Uh, but we hit the wall man it's human it's true and then you know and then we all have at least one person in our lives who will not take a hint no matter Mm -hmm. what you know you'll say i need to go and they'll go okay and then they'll keep they'll keep right on going uh and so i i've sort of learned to say you know first i'll say uh I, I'm so I have to go now. This has been great. And okay. And then I'll say fully say, I'm so sorry, but I really have to go now. This has been lovely. Bye. And then I'll wait yeah. just long enough for them to say bye. And then I'll pretend that they did and hang up the phone. Right. <laughs> like I, I don't want to be rude, but sometimes I have to go. Yeah, well, some people don't get it. Um, some te- sometimes they're thinking about their own things. They're not in the conversation, right? They're off in their own world. They're looking around. Maybe the TV's on in the background. They're not really paying attention. There's all kinds of things going on. That has nothing to do with you. That's just the way that they are being in that phone call. So we can't take it personally. Um, no. No. People are, you know, they're they're worried about their own communication very often. And and I don't I don't feel upset about it. Uh, but sometimes you just have to manage your own boundary a little bit and say goodbye nicely and then just imagine that they said goodbye and then you can be done. Here's another way to do this. Bear, I always enjoy all of our conversations. (sighs) Thanks, man. (laughs) 
Thanks, Shane. How's that? I really had a good time. Uh, that's excellent. You really, you, uh, you nailed it. <laughs> All right. I really appreciate it. Vice.com, S. Bear Bergman. Uh, give Bear a Google to not only this, but Bear is an author. And uh, we, there is another conversation. I can tell you this, that we're going to have about a book that Bear has. Probably going to be a couple of weeks away. I look forward to that. It is always great to see your face. And I love the inspiration that you provided us. As simple as a phone call. Thank you. Thank you. This is The Shift Podcast. Stories that we didn't get a chance to get to. Yes, we have those too with Ryan O'Donnell. And in case you missed it, missed it on the radio. Here's Ryan. Well, that's kind of sad, isn't it? The ding puts a little pep. I, we do kind of have to start with a rather sad and mind-blowing story. Uh, much. Uh, maybe Sorry. not that sound effect. That wasn't because, what I uh, meant. Yeah. Alec Baldwin did shoot someone and, uh, that person is dead. Uh, but Alec Baldwin did not murder someone just, okay. Here's well, it's what important. We it's a flashback. And this is a crazy story because yes. I got this text message about the crow and Brandon Lee. Exactly. Brandon Lee. Yes. Uh, Bruce Lee's son who was tragically killed on the set of the crow, which is an outstanding standing movie uh he was killed when a prop gun went off that had a real bullet in it well it seems that same tragedy has happened again according to multiple sources including the independent cnn alec baldwin misfired a prop gun on the set of of his film rust killing the cinema cinematographer halia hutchkins or Hutchins, rather, and wounding wounding the director, Joel Souza. So it's being filmed outside of Santa Fe in New Mexico. And what we know is that Hutchins was taken to hospital by helicopter. She died in hospital. That's been confirmed. The uh, director has been released from hospital. Alec Baldwin was the person who fired the gun. Um... And uh, this is a Western movie, and I am not making this up, that is about an accidental killing. No. This movie is about an accidental killing. This is the plot of the movie. 13-year-old boy left to fend for himself and his younger brother following the death of their parents in 1880s Kansas goes on the run with his long-estranged grandfather after he's sentenced to hang for the accidental killing of a local rancher. Like, what? happened so did they say if it was a real bullet or was it just just no i am like a the 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 prop gun ended up with a projectile because i've heard that sometimes those props that there could be too much something goes wrong with the there's ends up being an accidental projectile not necessarily a bullet yeah well blank is not blank there's still stuff that comes out there's still gunpowder there's still stuff getting ejected so who knows uh it was a misfire so he could have been waving the gun and shot point blank or uh, I don't want to speculate. Uh, they have not said if it was a bullet, a bullet is what killed as far as I know, Brandon Lee. Um, yeah, I believe so. Excuse me. The fact that the director was also injured leads me to believe that this was maybe not a bullet unless who knows. I'm sure we'll learn more, but I just feel so terrible in this, you know, someone doing their job, creating yep. entertainment for us 
and 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 Alec Baldwin. Say what you will about the guy, but I mean, holy crap! What I that I must not be easy. Live with it. I don't know. I don't no. know how you live with it. I really. I don't. know. So, just a mind blowing story. This is this happened late into the day uh, yesterday. So uh, we'll keep an eye on it, and hopefully, we'll have some updates when the show is back on Sunday. Wow. Um, I didn't want to clarify okay. that was accidentally my whip sound effect. It sounded awful lot it, like a gunshot. It shot. sounded like a gunshot. It yeah, really sorry did. Sorry about that. A gunshot. Yeah. yeah, it really did yeah. sound like one. But uh, it was not. So just to be clear. Okay. Yeah, let's um No, it's okay. Let's 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 lighten the tone a bit here. Uh Vikings. I think we can agree that Vikings rank pretty damn high in terms of like the coolest historical group. Uh their history their conquests, what they achieved, all of that is pretty neat. Lots of tragic and horrible things too, but it's history. Uh, I mean, like, and it's, it's, it's entertaining. I mean, have you ever watched the show? Who are these strangers? Different. And used axes. Most was tall as giants. Uh, I have never in my life seen men fight as these Northmen fight. Who are they? We captured two of them who were guarding their boat. We couldn't understand anything they said at all, except one word. Ragnar. Great show. Highly recommend checking that out. I only wish it was rated R. Anyway, I have some surprisingly Canadian Viking news. And that makes me happy because it puts Christopher Columbus to shame. And I'm not talking about Viking Alberta. Vikings from Greenland, who we know are the first Europeans to arrive in the Americas. We've, we've known that. It was not Christopher Columbus who got here first. Lived in a village in Newfoundland. We now know exactly when. We knew it was before Christopher Columbus, but we didn't know how old it turns out it's exactly a thousand years ago. Wow. Exactly. So scientists have known that they were there and they raided that area. They built a village, but they left. They left pretty, they only, were only there for a few, uh, f- for a few years, maybe. Now, previous studies have established that there was a cosmic ray event in the year 993 stay with me that for a few months caused greater than usual levels of radioactive carbon in the atmosphere trees trees breathe that carbon as they grow so what the researchers did was they used that carbon to determine which annual growth rings when you see it across you know like if you cut a log in half you can see the rings to see how old the tree is we mm-hmm. but they looked at a specific kind, like a radioactive kind. The explorers were there a thousand years ago. That's how they found out. There was up to a hundred people, men, women. They fell trees, built the village, repaired their ships. And the new study fixes the date they were there by showing they cut down at least three trees in the year 1021, at least 470 years before Christopher Columbus reached the Bahamas in 1492. Really? Boom. Done. That's cool. 
eat that. First Norse settlers in Greenland <laughs> were from Iceland and Scandinavia. I do not like Christopher Columbus. And the arrival really? of the explorers in Newfoundland marks the first time the humanity circled the entire globe. Uh, yeah, so they the actual village, which you can visit, there's a recreation in Newfoundland of the village, uh, is called Lance Omedo. I believe, uh, for three to 13 years before they left and went back to Greenland. Science. Isn't that neat? Well, the tree rings are so telling. I mean, that's really cool. cool. I mean, I realize you just talked about ancient trees, but when you really want to dig into like how much they've been through and you look at those rings, like that's amazing stuff. Just, and, and before I move on to the next story, just think about what I just told you. Vikings first landed in Canada and we used radioactive trees to prove exactly when they were here. That's cool. Our universe is pretty neat. And also I do want to just quickly, before we go into the next story, uh, Glenn sends in this text movie prop guns have little cotton swabs in them filled with some sort of a powder to give the illusion of gunfighter. That's what hit Brandon Lee. And that is correct. I did confirm that, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, According to the Wikipedia page for Brandon Lee, that's what it was. And it actually goes on to say um, that there was the dummy rounds. They were improperly made. Special effects crew removed the powder. So in close-ups, the revolver would show normal-looking ammunitions. However, the crew neglected to remove the primers from the cartridges. So that's the, uh, according to the Wikipedia for Brandon Lee. Thank you for that. So this, thank you. Okay, uh, let's uh, let's talk about a movie though. That this is one that people have been waiting for, including myself, for a long, long time. Uncharted. Uncharted is a very famous, very beloved uh, video game franchise uh, on the PlayStation. It's essentially Indiana Jones. You play as Nathan Drake, who is a descendant of a uh, the explorer Sir Francis Drake, and you go find. Nazi gold, pirate treasure, Shambhala. Uh, and, and it's awesome. These, this game franchise is one of the most entertaining games I've ever played. I love them. And of course, this was a huge success, so they're going to make a movie. But this movie has been stuck in development hell for years. However, we finally have a trailer of the movie that is, seems to be almost done. It's looking interesting. This trailer shows a young Nathan Drake who's starring uh, Tom Holland, Spider-Man. And Mark Wahlberg is playing Sully, who is kind of like the companion, the older mentor. And it's before they go on an adventure, we get a mention of Nathan's brother Sam, who's in the fourth game. Antonio Banderas is the antagonist, which I think he is (laughs) perfect for this kind of movie. He's perfect for it in that deep voice. And like, oh, I love it. there's also multiple scenes that look ripped right out of the games, but but all of the games, which is confusing. So I think they they're not building a franchise here. They're going to just make a movie that like is a uh, like a hodgepodge of all of the games, which uh, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, however, here's a clip from the trailer. It's pretty good. There are places out there you can't find on any map. They're not gone. They're just lost. Hey, kid. A little young for a bartender, aren't you? A little old for prom, aren't you? There he 
everything in here. Why the map? This is the path that Ferdinand Magellan took to sail around the world. You know your history. It's the biggest treasure that's never been found. Five billion easy. So, I mean, what you can't go wrong with a treasure hunt movie, all right? <laughs> uh, the movie arrives February 18th, released in theaters only, which is good. Uh, however, I will say this is by far my favorite part of the whole trailer right here. Oh, my God. I shouldn't have come out to play with a big boy's wing because you're about to get a proper Scottish welcome. What? Of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't understand a word he was saying. And then I just love that. What? Uh, so uh, the, the I, you know, this is a, this is a classic game. I, I highly recommend you play it. Uh, the movie is directed by the guy who made the first Venom movie, which is not a good movie, but it's a very fun movie. It's a very entertaining, subjectively terrible, but I had a blast watching it. Uh, so I wonder if that's what they're going for here. They're not going for like a great movie. They're going for a fun one. And I thought to myself, do I like that? Video games are really, really fun and usually really engaging. There's a great story. And whenever you try to make a movie out of it, something gets lost. So if they abandon the story to just make this a fun thrill ride and make it feel like a video game, is that a win? Or should we just expect better? I'm, I don't know. That's why I'm actually really excited to see this. Regardless, the guy who made Venom knows how to make a fun, stupid movie. And so we'll at least get that. And the action does look well choreographed. I will say my biggest disappointment is that in the video game, Sully, Mark Wahlberg's character, has the most fantastic mustache imaginable. And Mark Wahlberg is noticeably missing a mustache. He better be growing that thing out throughout the movie or ending with one or lights out. This franchise is dead. Bring that mustache back, please. That is the that's the breaking point for you. If you I'm I'm not alone in this. If you look up Uncharted trailer and you read the comment sections, 90 percent of them is where Sully's mustache. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.